0: Hello and welcome to the Jubilee Church podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileesTL.org. How are we doing? Good, good. Hey, it's always good to be with you. Also, shout out, uh, where's the camera? Everybody on uh, online, uh, The Lake, Washington. Hey, good to be with y'all as well. Wish y'all could see my face, but this is going to have to do. Um, hey, uh, has my wife walked in yet? No, darn it. she hasn't, I wanted to embarrass her. Um, I brought her with me. Uh, she graduated this week with her master's, and I wanted to... Save it for when she walks in the room. When she walks in the room, I'm going to stop mid-sentence and have y'all clap. Sound good? Um, cool, cool, cool. Um, hey, I, I just want to say if you're visiting, if you're questioning whether Jubilee is the place for you, I want to say it is. Um, this community is the real deal. Um, I know the Sunday morning thing, it has its own feel, and it's easy to question, is it actually legit? I know Sunday's fun, but it, like, what's it like on Tuesday? Um, I want to say this community is a strong community on Tuesday. Um, on Thursday as well. So I'd love, I'd love, love to highly recommend this community. Um, Let's go to John chapter 15, John chapter 15. We're gonna talk about my life verse. Um, This specific passage, I have, uh, I don't think I've stopped reading it for the past two years maybe. Um, There's a lot that Jesus has been teaching me about himself, myself, our life together. Through this passage, so I wanted to share it with you. We spent some time in Joplin going through this passage, um, and so thought, let's do it here in St. Louis as well. John chapter 15, starting in verse first, verses one. Um, once you're there, let's stand together. Uh, we do this in Joplin. Please make me feel at home. Two, two asks of you to make me feel at home. One, stand while I'm reading this, and two, if you so feel inclined, uh, while I'm preaching, I'm going to need y'all to talk back to me. Um, I'm not a. I'm not. I'm. This is no dig. I, I like Presbyterian people. I'm not a Presbyterian pastor. Um, I grew up in a black, I grew up in a black Pentecostal church. Um, that's how, that that that's how I like to have church. So I'm gonna need y'all to holler back at me. Sound good? Uh, John chapter 15, starting in verse one, Jesus is talking. He rented out a, a room. Um, with some of his homeboys, Uh, this is the Thursday before he died. So he died on Friday, Thursday, he rents out this room in somebody's house. It's his equivalent of an Airbnb. Um, And they have dinner, and then he's talking to them, preparing them for life after his death, burial, and resurrection. And what I think he's doing in John 15 is he's giving them a metaphor that's comprehensive of the whole Christian life. Um, So here it is in John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words and abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Um, I want to read verse 5 in another translation. I really like the language. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined, shout that word joined. When you're joined with me, and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Um, Do me a favor, help me preach. Uh, Tap someone next to you and say, neighbor, who is your best self? Now, act like it's 1107 and y'all slept in today because I know you did. Tag somebody else. Neighbor, who is your best self? Um, I want to spend the next few hours with you discussing the topic. (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) My best self, my best self. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can come together in moments like this with you and your people. It's an honor to be invited into your presence. This is heaven on earth. We don't want to take it lightly. We don't want to see this as common or casual. This is a privilege. So continue to do what you want to do, continue to speak to us, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Um, hey, there's my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow, I am not going to sleep in our room tonight. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Y'all know Maverick City Music? Yeah. They're they're a worship band or crew collective. Um, I think we sang one of their songs this morning, actually. Um, So we like Maverick City Music a lot. And back in October, um, we got tickets to go see them in Tulsa. Um, And so we drive down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We get to the massive church where they were at. Um, we get there late because I made us late, so we got like, like the nosebleeds of the nosebleeds. Like my back was on like the back wall of the auditorium. No joke. Um, and so like this woman, uh, one of the people, Naomi, she walks in and she says, in the most beautiful voice, she says, we're not here to entertain you. We're here to worship Jesus. And thousands of people are like, yes. And I'm in the nosebleeds like, no. And I was like, I paid $35 a ticket, entertain me. So they're entertaining me with Jesus. They're like an hour in of entertaining me with Jesus. And I open my eyes and I look around the room and I see 5,000 people at least in this one auditorium, all different backgrounds, worshiping Jesus. And in an instant, I hit this mountaintop, uh, this mountain peak experience of inspiration. And just as soon as I hit inspiration, I fell down into anxiety. Now, you say, Jeron, how can you be in a moment like that and fall into anxiety? Well, in inspiration, I said, wow, what would it be like to be a part of something that brought all these diverse kinds of people together around Jesus? Inspiration. In anxiety, I said, "Jeron, you got two days to make that happen or else you're not worth your salt. In inspiration, I said, this is amazing. In anxiety, I said, I've got to match this. I've got to top this. I've got to go find 4,999 other people in the next 48 hours, get them to come to church and to live out this unity that the world has never seen before, and none of them are like the other. I told myself, if you don't do it, you're not worth God's time. If you don't do it, you're nothing. If you don't do it, you might as well just be extinct and disappear Have you ever hit points like that where in anxiety you told yourself, if I don't do or be, I'm nothing? Uh, For the sake of this time together, we'll call it the search for the dignified self, a.k.a. the search for my best self. We all have this picture of a self, a best self that's worth dignity. That, 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 that's val- seen as valuable by ourselves and others. That's seen as good by ourselves and others. And at some point or another in life, we'll find ourselves on this pursuit of becoming or creating us, creating this best self. Some of us will do it by way of our accomplishments. We tell ourselves, if I can just do this by the time that I'm 30, then I'll be my best self. Or maybe if I can just do better than this person next to me, if I can just be better than my sister, if I can just do better than my no-good daddy was, then I'm my best self. Some of us will do it by way of um, um, self-actualization. We will look inside, determine who we truly want to be, who we truly are, and if I can just project that and live that out and get other people to see it and notice it, then I'm my best self. Some of us will do it by way of affirmation. I'm just going to do what I got to do to get somebody else to like me and say good things about me. This is why you spend so much time on Instagram. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. If we maybe the slight chance we actually achieve this best self, we end up working double time to maintain the best self once we get there. You Christians, you do it, too. This isn't pop psychology. I'm a Christian. We do it. You do it, church folk. We call it self-justification. It's, it's doing or trying to create something that's justified before God and others. If I do enough of the oughts, then I'm justified before others. If I get this leadership or this service position, then I'm justified before God. And here's what it is. Whether you call it self-justification or the search for the dignified self, your emotional, your, your spiritual, your mental, even your physical uh, health is constantly fluctuating based on how this pursuit is going. When I'm doing the things, I'm on a high. When I'm at home and sick in bed, I'm on a low. When people at church are noticing the good stuff I'm doing, I'm on a high. On Tuesday, when we go back to work and don't nobody care about it no more, I'm on a low. High schoolers, uh, students, on Monday, when I post the dang thing on TikTok or Instagram and people are liking it, I'm on a high. By tomorrow, once we've all forgotten and the algorithm has kicked me off, I'm on a low. Low. I finally got the clothes. I'm on a high. They said, cool, Air Forces. Somebody else got the Air Forces. Don't nobody care about mine. I'm on a low. Are you tired? I'm tired. Tired of constantly going up and down. I'm tired of being tired. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. Here's the good news to us, though. There is a man who comes to us and he says, I have come to give you rest on this search of a dignified self. This is a man who says, I want you to pan the camera away from you and turn it on to me. He says the first step to finding your best self, your dignified self, is getting outside of yourself and looking at someone else. He says, look at me. Who is this man? He's the man who walks up to us in John 15 uh, in this upper room in, in this Airbnb. And he says, I am the vine. Now, Jesus, there's a whole lot of things you could use to describe yourself. Why would you use a vine? Well, to do that, you got to go back uh, through Israel's top 100 music charts. So you go all the way, you go all the way back to like uh, a couple thousand years in Moses. As soon as the people came out of Israel, Moses, he stops and he writes a song. This is Exodus chapter 15, and it's a song to God. And he writes one of the lyrics. He says, you, God, have planted us for yourself. He's metaphorically making Israel out to be a plant that was planted by God. Fast forward to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah says, I'm trying to get in the music business too. So Isaiah writes a song in Isaiah chapter 5, and Isaiah's song was this. He says, God, you planted us, Israel, a vineyard, and there are good things that you wanted, but you came and you saw bad things. Isaiah adds to the mix. He remixes Moses' song and says, yes, we are the vine, but we didn't do what God wanted us to do. Then fast forward, there's this lesser-known cat named Asaph. You don't know him, but you know his song. Psalm chapter 80, he says, I'm trying to remix the remix. So he says this, Isaiah, or Psalm chapter 80, we have it on the screen. He says, God, take care of this vine that you've, uh, for yourself that you have planted. And Watch this. He says, this son you have raised up for yourself. Isaiah said, or, uh, Asaph says, the vine that was the people. He says, I'm going to go ahead and write a lyric and say, the vine is now a person. And Jesus walks on the scene and he says, it's me, guys. Here I am. Y'all have been singing about me for a couple hundred years. I'm the vine. And here's what it means for Jesus to be the vine. All, all, don't miss this word. All of God's purposes are pointed at Jesus. On one and end, that means there are purposes that God has for Jesus. I've seen you in Lowe's and Home Depot and all the little plant shops. You look at that plant and you say, I've got plans for you. I know the last 12 died, but this is when you're going to be different. (laughs) I'm going to put you in the good window. I'm gonna water. You, I'm going to take care of you. I saw that if you play music for him, it'll, it'll be, you'll grow better. So I'm gonna play music for you every day. Pray over you. I've got plans for you. Jesus being the vine means that the father has things he wants to do for Jesus but also it means that there are purposes the Father wants to accomplish through Jesus. Some of you have planted stuff in your yards and not just for the heck of planting it, it's because you wanted something to come out of it. There are, things that the, there are plans that the Father wants to accomplish through Jesus, purposes that the Father wants to get done through Jesus. All of the purposes of God are pointed at Jesus. Now, I'm your friend, so I just want to say, if I can, I've been here enough now, God's purposes are not planned, are not pointed at you or your preferences. They're pointed at Jesus. That's right. I read someone recently who said, we Christians, we have this habit of coming up with our own agenda and then claiming God's power and purposes to back it. This is where historically we've had genocides in the name of Jesus. This is where historically we've had people who are political fanatics in the name of Jesus of Jesus, because we've taken our own purposes and said, God, you back it. And God says, no, it's all pointed at Jesus. He is my vine. He is my king. He is my prophet. He is my priest. He's the one I speak through. He's the one I reign through. He's the one who's redeeming the world. He's the one who I'm giving all things. All of God's purposes are pointed at Jesus. Sutron, what's that got to do with me? I know Jesus is living his best life. I'm trying to live my best self. What does this have to do with me? Jesus, he looks at you and he invites you in and he says, do you want to share in this? That's what the back half of the metaphor is. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Uh, uh, Scholars, they call this union with Christ. This means that Jesus joins himself to you and you are joined to Jesus. And the best thing about this life of being joined with Jesus is that, check this, He shares himself with you. Shout that word share. Share. He shares himself with you. This is what it means to be saved is that Jesus has joined himself to you and he shares himself with you. Um, Now, what I want to do is I want to give you five quick things, five reasons. If you're a Christian, five reasons to thank God that you're joined to Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, these are five reasons to be joined to Jesus. So so five things that are good. For some of you, these are reasons to say thank you. For the others, these are reasons to say I want in. So here's the first one. Um, When I'm joined to Jesus, Jesus sharing himself with me is my ultimate reality. Uh, Any of y'all remember track phones? Uh, I had this little blue and silver track phone. It was Nokia. Uh, It was a brick, indestructible. Um, And I had like 15 minutes on it. That was my first phone when I was in the eighth grade. Um, so I remember I wanted, I was and my little brother and sister, they are 12 and 14 years younger than me. Um, so I wanted them to talk to my mom. Um, so I called my mom on my track phone and I was like, Jaden Jordan talk, talk to mom and they wouldn't do it. They had this little toy, um, wired. They had this little toy landline phone and they're like, I'll talk to mom on the landline phone. And so they pick up the landline phone and start talking in the baby tongues to my mom on the landline toy phone. And my smart siblings, didn't, they thought that the seen connection of the toy landline was more real than the unseen connection of the track phone. They didn't know that the unseen connection of the track phone was more real than the seen connection of the toy landline. Jesus had the Holy Spirit in you, and when you in him, and when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came on you. And that unseen spirit joins you and Jesus together. And that unseen connection of the Holy Spirit is more real than the seen connection of your ethnicity more real than the same connections of your bloodline. I'm saying, being joined to Jesus is the most real thing about you, being joined to Jesus is more reality than your ethnicity. Not to discount it, being joined to Jesus is more real than your blood family, not to discount it, being joined to Jesus is more real than your circumstances, not to discount them. I'm just saying, your ultimate reality, the most real thing, the big thing, the thing that defines all the things is you being joined to Jesus. It's the most real thing about you. Here's the second one. When I'm joined to Jesus, he shares his status with me. He shares his status with me. Uh, Theologically, they say this is called imputation. Um, uh, I used to coach basketball um, at a a private Christian school in Joplin, Missouri. Pray for me. Uh, I'm still talking to my therapist about those years. Um, um, And I, I used to, the way I used to end practice is I'd make my boys, I'd make them run before they could go home for a long time. Um, there are laws against that, but I just used to make them run for a long time. Um, but when I used to do this thing. I was like, any one of y'all at any point can volunteer to shoot two free throws. You make both of them, you go home. Uh, you miss one of them, you run double. Um, but one day I thought, I'm feeling like a menace. Let's play a game. Uh, so at the end of practice, before they were all about to run, I said, uh, y'all pick one person to come up and shoot this free throw. Uh, if y'all think he or if he makes both, we all go home. If he misses one of them, we all running triple. Uh, and so they picked my best player. He's, He's actually graduating today. Um, they picked my best player. He's, he gets up on the line. They were in the seventh grade. So that's how you know it wasn't that good. Um, so he, he shoots one free throw. He makes it. He shoots the next. It rolls around. It ends up falling. All my boys are like, Egh. some of them are taking their shirts off and they get the Gatorade bath and ESPN comes and we're singing One Shining Moment. They're like, Miller. And I was like, cool. Miller made it. I'll count his make as y'all's make. Y'all all go home. I'll count his accomplishment as y'all's accomplishment. You all get to enjoy that. Jesus says, "When, when you're joined to me, my status and my accomplishments are counted as yours, and you get to live in that. Jesus says, I'm a son of God, that's my status, and I'm sharing that with you, it's counted as yours. You are now a child of God. Jesus says, I am perfect and righteous. That's my status and it's counted as yours. You now are right with God and considered as holy. Jesus says, I died for sins. That death is counted as yours. You don't have to die death for sin anymore. All that Jesus has done, all of his status, all of his accomplishments are freely counted as yours and you just get to live in it. You know what that tells me? When I'm joined to Jesus, I'm always living from a good place never living for a good place. I'm always living from the state of being a child of God, never living for the state of trying to accomplish being a child of God. My starting place is the best place. I start as righteous. I start as holy. I start as good. I start as a child. I start as intimate with the Father. This Christian life is a life of effort, but it's never, not never, never a life of earning anything because I start here. Here's one. Uh, When Jesus shares himself with you, he gives you all his stuff. Uh, When Jesus shares himself with you, he gives you all his stuff. Some of y'all, y'all remember on your wedding day, you put your ring on uh, your spouse and you said, with this ring, I give you all that I am and all that I have. That means you get my dog you get my car, you get my student loans, you get my family, uh, you get all my stuff. You get my throw pillows, uh, you get my futon, you get all of that stuff. Jesus says, when you get joined to me, all my stuff is yours. He says, I had the Holy Spirit in me, here it's yours now. I had an intimate relationship with the Father, here it's yours now. I had a purpose of redeeming the world, here it's yours now. All of it is yours. Listen, I know you're trying to build this big, good old life for yourself. And I'm saying you might need to reconsider chilling. Mm -hmm. Just take what he's giving you. Because what he gives you is better than what you could build for you. Just a quick note. Oh, no, just a suggestion. Here's another one. When Jesus joins himself to me, he gives me his DNA. Uh, Some of you, you've had biological kids. You know the good news and sometimes bad news that those kids got your genes in you. Uh, And you're like, oh, you're gonna grow up to talk like me. You're gonna grow up to act like me. You're gonna grow up to think like me. Um, And even if you're not talking now, that don't make you less of a human because the fact that you're a human is what guarantees you're gonna grow up to be like me. The scripture says that you're reborn. You're a new creation. You have Jesus's DNA in you which means you're guaranteed to grow up, to talk like him, to think like him, to act like him. And the fact that you're not doing it now doesn't make you any less of a child of God. No, the fact that you are a child of God is the guarantee that you will become like that. Friends, I can look you in the face right now and say, you have bright days ahead of you, because you're going to be just like Jesus. What am I going to be like when I'm an adult, like Jesus? What am I going to be like as a parent, like Jesus? What am I going to be like as a husband or a wife, just like Jesus? How about a grandparent like Jesus, but with less stress? How about, what, what am I going to be like as a teacher, like Jesus? What am I going to be just like Jesus? I've learned to thank God recently that I'm not who I'm going to be. I look at myself in the mirror and it's like I still got some rough edges, but God, I thank you. I'm not who I'm going to be. I still get angry every now and then, but I'm not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be more patient. I'm still kind of selfish right now, but I'm not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be more loving. I I like to hold on to stuff right now, but I'm not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be more generous. God, I know I'm not who I'm ought to be, but I can right now in faith and confidence, thank you because I'm not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be like Jesus. And Here's the last one. When I'm joined to Jesus, he gives me a we. He gives me a we. Uh, You know Jesus was talking to 11 other people In that passage we read, not one individual. He says, I am the vine, you are the plural branches. But here's the thing with one vine and multiple branches though it's one vine and multiple branches, they're distinct but inseparable. It's all one plant. Being saved, being a Christian, is personal, but it's not isolated. It's personal, but it's not individual. It's personal, but it's not private. There's no such thing as just you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus and everybody else who's joined to Jesus. You became a we. And and I know this is uncomfortable for those of us in the West because of this most individualistic culture and the most individualistic society, but this is also good news for us because we're the most lonely society. And Jesus says, I'm giving you a we. There's a man uh, a few weeks ago, um, a few months ago, he walked in our church. You gonna play Make Me Sound Spiritual? He is. He walked in our church. Uh, This is like the first song of the first service. He walks up to me and he says, pastor, can I get saved and baptized today? And I was like, I don't know. I think. Um, Let me go get an adult. I don't know, let me see. Uh, So we, we pray for him and then we put together this impromptu baptism service for him at the end of the service. And he gets out the water and he's just looking around at the room. And I was like, how you feel, man? This 38 year old man. He says, he says, why are all these people here? He's like, I've never had this many people at a birthday party. And in my mind, I was like, this is where I tell him, you just got a new family. I kid you not, before I could open my mouth, five people walk up to him, neck hug him and say, welcome to the family. He got a we. <laughs> You're trying to find community in a politic? You're trying to find belonging over your tax bracket and your race? You're trying to find people over common interests like a job in an Instagram page? Jesus says, I got something better for you, Jack. I'm giving you the family of God and we're joined together around me. Oh, that's so much better. So Jesus, he gives me his status. He gives me his stuff. He gives me his DNA. He gives me his we, uh, uh, all all of it. It's my ultimate reality. Here's your rest. On this pursuit for the best self, on this pursuit for the dignified self, Jesus says, I'm giving you me. Here it is. Jesus shares with us himself, which is better than any self I can create for myself. What's your best self? your best self is joined to Jesus. Because when I'm joined to Jesus, I'm a child of God. When I'm joined to Jesus, I'm holy. When I'm joined to Jesus, I've got a family. When I'm joined to Jesus, I'm righteous. When I'm joined to Jesus, I have every, not some, every spiritual blessing in heaven. When I'm joined to Jesus, God knows my name. When I'm joined to Jesus, God is caring for me. When I'm joined to Jesus, I've got a spot in heaven. When I'm joined to Jesus, I am so I could be when I'm creating this self for myself. So Jesus says, abide. Jesus, how are you gonna give me yourself? When does this happen? Can I I tell you about how my wife and I got together? So uh, 2015, we're both uh, going into um, the school year as first time RAs. Um, I'd heard them talk about her in chapel because she did some cool stuff. She's better than me. And I saw her walking in in the cafeteria a day or two after they talked about her in the chapel. And I asked one of my friends, I was like, who's that? And he said, oh, that's Chelsea. That's the girl they were talking about. And I was like, cool, watch me work. so I hit her up on Facebook and I was like, hey, we're about to be first time RAs. Uh, we, should, we should totally like get together and plan and do cool stuff for our floors, which was a lie. Um, <laughs> so fast forward to that August and we both get on campus for RA training and I was playing hard to get, you know, like, I just put the bug in her and I'm just like, walking by her and not really giving her much. Then finally she walks up and she, I, I was really just scared to talk to her. Then finally she walks up and she's like, can I just give you my number? You want to go to get coffee? And I was like, hmm, I guess. <laughs> Shoot, you're all up on me, girl, back up. <laughs> so we get to coffee. We go to this coffee shop in downtown Joplin, and we get together to talk about RA stuff. But I'm a preacher, so I manipulate um, conversations. So I just turn the whole conversation on her and us, just talking about us. And then the coffee shop closes. And I was like, dang, they're closed, and we ain't even get to talk about RA stuff. I guess we might have to come back tomorrow, huh?" And she was like, yeah, I guess. And so we did it again on Tuesday. We get to the coffee shop and we start talking about us because I just directed the whole conversation. They close again and I was like, man, I guess we just really have this vibe going on. We could never get to business. We got to come back tomorrow and I'll be serious next time. Let's come back tomorrow. So we, we do that for a week and still haven't talked about RA stuff to this day. Um, 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 so at the end of the week, she's like, yo, I got to go to Hobby Lobby and get stuff for my dorm room. And I was like, shoot, me too. How'd you know? And then I sat there real passive aggressive, like thinking, hmm, wonder how I'm going to get there. So she was like, you just want to go together. And I was like, dang, girl. But yeah, let's go together. Um, so we go to the Hobby Lobby, get this like chalkboard that I kind of use. Um, then the next day before convocation to open up the school year, she's like, I got to go to the mall and get like a dress or some jewelry or something. I was like, girl, you be reading my mind. I got to go to the mall too to get a tie. I want a tie on my wedding day to get a tie. And so we go to the mall, I go to JCPenney, get this darn tie, drop Chels back off at her dorm, go back to JCPenney, give them the tie, say, give me my money back. I don't have a job, so I'm gonna need that $10 back. And So then we fast forward and school year starts, and then I start inviting Chels out on dates. I'm like, you wanna go to Subway for lunch? You, you wanna go to the mall? You wanna go do this? Uh, one day I hit her up after class. This was smooth, this was smooth. So boys, pull y'all's notebooks out and take notes on this. Um, I, I picked her up and, and I was like, get in my car, it was this 2004 silver Alero, no bumper, uh, dense on the driver's side window. And I was like, girl, get in the car. You're all romantic-like. And I was like, pick a direction. I got a date planned for every direction. North, we going to Kansas City. South, we going to Fayetteville. East, we're going, uh, I can't remember. Uh, west, I think we're going, no, East, we're going to Springfield. West, I can't remember where we was going to go. And she said, North, (laughs) that's not it. So we went to Kansas City and we had this date going on. And so I'm thinking, we're going steady. You my girl, you my boo, I'm yours, baby. Unbeknownst to me, my beloved wife is uh, going back to the dorms at this time, telling her friends about this uh, good friend she got. And I was like, friend? Girl, I'm your husband. The story of Chelsea and I getting together is that I made myself hers and I was just waiting on her to realize it so that she could make herself mine. And some of y'all are like, that's weird. That's kind of creepy. The rest of y'all, I see it on y'all faces. Y'all are like, oh my gosh, yes. God, give me a Geron. That's all I want. I've seen what you do for other people, God. Just give me a Geron. Bless me, Jesus, with a Geron. I've read about Boaz. I don't want a Boaz. I want a (laughs) Jerron. I know he might not give you another Jerron. I do know he sent you a Jesus. And the story of Jesus getting together with people is that he makes himself yours. He's just waiting on you to realize it by faith so you can make yourself his. He He made himself yours when he became a human like you. He made Himself yours when He lived life like you. He made Himself yours when He died for you. The the story goes, they hung Him high and they stretched Him wide. He hung His head for you and me He died. But that's not where the story ends because early Sunday morning, early three days later, Jesus got back up again. And He got back up so that He could be yours forever and you could be with Him forever. And Paul in the book of Romans, Romans chapter six, he says, you've died with him now, which means you don't have to pay back your sin penalty. Paul in Romans chapter six says, you've been buried with him now, which means you're not bound or shackled by anything anymore. Paul in Romans chapter six says, you've been raised with him now, which means you're living a new life as a new you. Paul in Colossians chapter three says, you've been seated with him right now, which means forever, you're in intimate relationship with God. The best you is the you that's with Jesus. And he says, Here's how you get it. Abide. Other translations say remain. A lot of Bible scholars believe that that's Jesus' fancy way of saying believe. Believe and you'll be joined to me. Some of you, I want to invite you to do that for the first time. If you've never had this life with Jesus, he says, I'm God and I was a man and I died and I rose. He said, if you can believe that in your heart, just say it with your mouth and in an instant, you're joined to me and all of that's yours. You can have it before you leave this room. You just say it right there in your seat. Those of you who have been following Jesus, Christians, you know who Jesus is talking to in John chapter 15? Christians. You know why he says, remain? Remain means continue. A Journey would say, don't stop believing. Keep on, keep this is the whiz, keep on keeping on in that belief. You want to know why? because we will consistently feel this pressure to go accomplish something or seek affirmation or try to actualize to become our best self. And Jesus says, no, keep believing in me to be joined to me. I preached some of this to the youth last night, Uh, shout out the youth. And then Chelsea and I went to go to Target and we saw this couple while we were walking into Target, this couple was walking out of Target and the wife, she was real fit and the husband was real fit. And on the inside, I was like, I'm trying to be a fit couple. And I told Chelsea, and I was like, it's not you, it's me, I'm the weak link. I need to go to the gym and be better. And then Chelsea's like, dude, didn't you just preach about that? I was like, you're right. I need to go back to Jesus. I need to keep believing. Friends, listen, Jesus is saying, turn to me. Don't go accomplish something, try to be something. Don't try to make yourself out to be something. Don't go searching for your daddy or that boy or your mom, that girl. Don't get on Instagram. Don't go going for their affirmation. He says, turn to me and keep receiving from me. There's a couple in our church. They spent 30 years in Papua New Guinea. Um, They graduated college, flew over to New Guinea, helped them uh, make a written language. They created a written language. Then after they were done with that, they started to translate the whole Bible in this written language for them. They finished a few years ago. Lord knows how many people are saved because of them. Someone came and visited our church a few months ago and met this couple. And my friend said, hey, I heard y'all did a lot of cool stuff in New Guinea. And the wife, she says, I'm a beloved child of God and Jesus. She had every right in the world to build a dignified self based on 30 years of amazing work. And she said, no, I refuse to do it. She says, my best self is when I'm with Jesus. So, so friends, in this search for a dignified self, what are you going to do? You're going to go to your accomplishments? You're going to self-actualize something? You're going to seek the affirmation of somebody else? Jesus says, you can try it, but it's going to be tiring and you might never get there. But I can give you me right now. And that's your best self. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've given us. You've given us yourself before any gift, before anything you've given us, you. And it doesn't get better than that. So we thank you. Speak to our hearts now, open our eyes now, start to convince and persuade us now, meet people now, Jesus. and Show us that what you give, that you giving you is better than what anything we can do for ourselves. And help us to receive some of us for the first time, some of us again and again, turn us away from that which we've been going to and draw us in towards you.